Hey everyone! Today we got to sit down and chat with Tara. Tara is a certified Jane of All Trades adrenaline junkie. She was introduced to alternative sports when she started school in Bellingham, Washington, and hasn't looked back since. She's picked up mountain biking, climbing, skiing, surfing, and today you can find Tara working as a raft guide at Squamish Rafting Company. We start this episode out by talking about how she got into rafting and guiding and then get into her experience as a female in a primarily male-dominated outdoor industry, as well as van lifing during a housing crisis, all while advocating and creating opportunities for yourself in the outdoors. We're still figuring this whole podcast thing out, especially how to close our episodes, which you'll see towards the end of this one. If you have any suggestions or things you'd like to see from us, feel free to reach out on our Instagram. We would love to hear your feedback. But for now, let's get back to the show. Welcome to Wildly Basic, a podcast about everyday badass women who love the outdoors and are unafraid to be unapologetically themselves in the backcountry, regardless of norms and expectations. I'm Emma. And I'm Allie. On this podcast, we hope to share our love of backcountry shenanigans with those like us, those that inspire us, and those that are excited to discover their interest in the outdoors. All right. Okay, yeah. So, uh, hello, hello, listeners. Um, maybe we've grown from five listeners to like six or seven now. That would be great. <laughs> we are back for episode two. Hopefully it's going to start off a little less awkward and cringy this time. Um, we're going to do our best. And, uh, before we get started with our guest, maybe Emma and I can chat a bit about any updates we have on the podcast to share with the listeners. Yeah. At this point in our podcast life, we are working out the details of our Instagram account and our RSS, which we just learned about today. It's a thing. Um, we're excited to get it out on all the platforms now through the RSS. Other than that, I think our podcast is moving along swiftly. Do you have any life updates, Ali? Uh, life updates. I'm in Saskatoon right now with our friend Olivia. Um, and so right now I'm in her grandma's basement. So. Uh, hopefully the Wi-Fi is good and we have good uh, audio recording for this meeting, but I've just been chilling. Like today we just relaxed. Um, I got my eyebrows threaded for the first time and it was super painful. And yeah. we went in her grandma's swimming pool and yeah, just kind of living my best life on the prairies right now. Yeah. And for our listeners, this is, although it's only our second episode, this is our first episode of recording via Zoom. And uh, hopefully the audio works out and you can hear all three of us crisply. Um, so our guest, her name is Tara and uh, she is a new raft guide at Squamish Raft Guides in Squamish, obviously. And she also climbs and does some other things that we're hopefully gonna find out about today. So there's my very rudimentary introduction. And Tara, do you mind giving a more of an introduction about yourself? All right. Hey, hello, everybody. Hello, listeners. <laughs> um, 
Uh, my name's Tara. I'm originally from the Vancouver area, um, New Westminster to be exact. For the last few years before moving to Squamish, I was living in Bellingham, Washington, going to school at Western Washington University. When I went down to Washington, I didn't know that uh, Bellingham was such an outdoors town, but then I kind of got into it and that's how I got into all of the activities that I currently do. So maybe we'll talk more about that later. But in March this year, I graduated and I came up to Squamish um, to learn how to raft guide with Squamish rafting and living, living my best life, living out of my uh, CRV. We're definitely going to get into the details of your car life. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds super fun. What do you think? We could start rafting? Yeah, I want to hear more about um, what, what was your decision process? Like what made you get up one day and say, I'm going to be a raft guide? So yeah, where it all started, like I never really had much of an interest in white water things. In fact, I remember specifically telling my friend in Washington, who's a raft guide, I don't think I'm ever going to like whitewater kayak. I have no interest in that. Like, I don't want to die. <laughs> so that same friend um, actually took me and a few other people out on a five-day raft trip in Oregon on the John Day River. And it was just like an amazing experience. It was like an amazing way to experience the wilderness. Like, and you know, it's different than hiking and backpacking where, you know, it takes a really long time to like not get super far and it's like pretty strenuous, but like you can be out for multiple days at a time and just be like floating, you know, and going through fun like rapids and stuff. This trip was like pretty low key, like the water was super low, but like the visuals were like insane. It was yeah. very canyonous. It's like north of Smith Rock kind of so it's like deserty and yeah I was just like super blown away on this trip I kind of decided like I want to do this all the time like I want to I want to be able to go on trips like this all the time like I like backpacking but honestly like not as much as I like doing more exciting like adrenaline rushy activities and like rafting seemed like a very good mix of like adrenaline rush and and multi-day trips where yeah. you get you get into it and so I was like okay I want to do this a lot but I don't want to rely on this one friend that is a dial graft guy <laughs> so I um I was like okay I, I need my own equipment and I should know how to use that equipment so I should become a raft guide like that was my logic so I actually reached out on this Squamish Adventure Woman um Facebook group and I like I specifically reached out to that group because I felt like reaching out to like female and non-binary groups like that um, are like a safe space where, you know, you're not going to get shit on <laughs> for being, you know, like, yeah, for being like a noob, you know? Yeah. I got input from a lot of people, but one of those people was actually Yana, who's one of the owners of Squamish Rafting. And she told me to... Um, call her husband who's the other owner and then it was kind of a matter of like pulling the trigger on like officially sending him my resume and then like accepting the position because like when you're training with Squamish rafting like you don't get paid which is totally cool but um but it's just like well I'm a new graduate and I'm gonna be taking time 
investing in this skill, but like not making money. So that was actually a big decision. And it was like a big stressor for me for like a few months, actually. But I, so you were in school in Washington? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, so finally, in the, at like the beginning of the year, I guess I like the beginning of this year, 2021, um, I like decided I'm going to raft guide. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and it was the, so up came a bunch of question marks, like, you know, where am I going to live? Like all this stuff, like, am I going to get other jobs? Like I need other jobs that are going to support my resume for my future career and stuff. And mm-hmm. So I like kind of have been managing to do that. And then I fixed the house situation by just living out of my car. <laughs> and it's like been a very empowering process. Yeah, it sounds like it was, it started out with like so many question marks. It felt mm. like almost too overwhelming to like consider. Yeah. I'm glad you pushed through it. Because a lot of people <laughs> yeah. would just be like, oh, this is impossible. Scratch. Yeah. And that being said, like being able to like push through it and stuff and being able to say like it's not impossible totally comes from my like privilege as well Mm. for sure like my privilege being able to not have an income and being able to live out of my car and have like a very solid fallback on my parents you know and like being able to feel like I mean it's hard as a woman to like feel safe on your own like there are lots of places where I will specifically not park to sleep because I'm a woman but like being a white woman is like you know I'm a pretty protected demographic in terms of women like yeah there you go (laughs) right yeah so so you said you had this raft trip in the summer and then by December you had really decided to kind of jump into this and make this big decision I'm just wondering did you just have this one raft trip that you went on with your friend and that was what made you kind of mull over this for so many months or did you have more experiences in the meantime that kind of confirmed that this is something that you wanted to do that was the only experience that was it and it was just like so cool like it's definitely one of the highlights of my life I think oh wow yeah just the you know the like bright green algae just below my feet as we're like floating along and like I did like psychedelics um, on that trip and it was just like spectacular and I like I felt so wholehearted like the rafting takes you to places that like would be you know pretty difficult to get to otherwise I guess like I know what you mean like an activity versus like backpacking or something Mm -hmm. it's just a completely different way of engaging Mm -hmm. with nature yeah in a way that like isn't really possible any other way like being on a river is mm-hmm. unique in its own way mm-hmm. so I know you mean of like wow whatever I need to like interact in this light like I will be doing it yeah exactly right like the, over those months that I was mulling over it I couldn't do it because you know I didn't have anybody who would who would host who would facilitate you know and I was like, I guess I have to be my own facilitator, right? Mm-hmm. So do you have any plans for um, for any trips like coming up anytime soon? I don't have any multi-day trip plans. Like I'm just kind of trying to, I'm very much living in the present right now because that's kind of how it is. Like as a raft guide, it's like you're kind of on your toes like every day. Like just, I just am pretty much expecting to be busy like every single day. Cause I also work other jobs when I'm not raft guiding. What kind of odd jobs do you do? 
Uh, yeah, I um, so I work as a barista at a cafe. Fun. Zephyr. Nice. Yeah, that's one of the good ones. <laughs> it's a lot of fun there, but I'm actually um not working there as of the 30th coming up. Okay. So because I'm gonna actually be volunteering with Whistler Adaptive Sports. Oh, cool. Yeah. What's that about? Yeah, so they do. I'm like, I'm still learning about it. I haven't done my orientation yet, but I do know that Whistler Adaptive does like uh, all sorts of activities and sports. Um, and that like for folks who have like cognitive or physical disabilities, I'm really excited to get into that and start learning more and more and like working with these athletes. Um, because in the future, I want to go into occupational therapy. You're like kind of like connecting dots between like your interests. Like you're, you know, with the adaptive sport thing, like you're clearly a super active outdoorsy person, but you're also combining that with your interest in like adaptive um, like programs, which is related to like your future career. Like you're kind of just connecting your interests and like finding these really awesome opportunities. You know, it took practice to kind of like advocate for myself and create opportunities for myself. but. But and I said it before and I'll say it again, like one of the reasons I'm able to pursue the things I want to do so much is like very largely because of my privilege. Mm-hmm. Like I'm quitting my job at Zephyr so that I can volunteer my time for Whistler Adaptive. I wanted to ask you about, is that a raft guide or are you like a raft guide in training? Like, so I'm a, title? yeah, good question. So I'm, I'm a raft guide. I'm like a rookie, you know, I, but I'm, I'm a raft guide at Squamish Rafting and I went through training earlier this uh, like spring and in, in the, into the early summer. And then I just kind of, I started getting like paid to guide and like guiding boats on my own, like midsummer. What does your training look like? Yeah. So the training, like, our head guide Ty and then Dave as well, who Allie obviously knows. I told Dave that we wouldn't shit talk him too much. Hi Dave. Hi Dave. Hello. Hey Dave. (laughs) (laughs) Like, so Ty and Dave came over from Esprit, um, which is a rafting company on the Ottawa river. Um, And then they both came here and they were like, yep, like let's train some guys, I guess. And, uh, yeah, like it wasn't, it wasn't like extremely formal, but it was definitely like, okay, like once a week, we're going to go out, like, we're going to teach you some skills. And then we're going to just practice, 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 I guess. Like, so I'm for our listeners who cannot see me right now or do not know <laughs> me. Um, I'm like five foot four. And I'm, you know, like about like 125 pounds ish. So I'm like pretty small for a raft guide. You know, you're le- you're learning from these people who are like larger than you, right? And it's like the equipment, you know, like I, I have specific, specific paddles that I like to use because the shafts are skinnier um, and it puts less strain on my wrists. Um, and then like, I have one specific brand of boat that I use because the side tubes are smaller Cause the, the other ones, like, it's just like my, my, like, I have to extend at my knees too much, like to be able to get strong paddling strokes and be able to have a comfortable guide seat. Then if I was using this one specific brand that I like where, you know, the side tubes are smaller so I can like reach out further, like I can get myself in a more comfortable, like agile seat. But like, so flip drills were definitely like kind of a struggle because it's like, you have to use your own strengths to flip the, uh, 
the raft, which like I ha I didn't have trouble doing that, but it's also a struggle to like get back in the raft. Mm -hmm. like, but I feel like that's also true for a lot of beginner guides. So yeah, it's helpful when folks like, like Ty would often tell me about like, you know, um, female guide that he knows who's like the one of the best guides he's ever met. She's like about my size and like, you know, these are the things that she does and like she can do all this stuff. And it's like nice to hear that, like, okay, it can be done. So it sounds like you had at least like from that anecdote about Ty telling you that, although you kind of had these differences between the people that were training you and the way that you wanted to do things, you still were able to get some perspectives about like how you might adapt guiding for someone of your size. Mm -hmm, yeah, but uh, at the same time, sometimes it felt like, man, you guys just don't understand. Yeah, <laughs> you just don't understand how hard it is to have like such a small, like short body. Um, but like, so I actually have this friend who was just uh, trained this season with our com competing company. Shout out to Kay. Hi, Kay. Um, <laughs> we hung out like a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago. Um, and just kind of like vented a little bit about how because she's shorter than me you know the things that we do that's like different than other guys who are like larger than us and like and kind of like I I told her about like how I do my guide seat and how that might help her and like she told me about how like she they have they have like five female guides at their company out of like this is kind of a spitball. I don't actually know how many guides they have, but it's like a lot. It's something like 20 or 25 or something like that. And we have like less than that. And a lot of our guides are actually female, like, but they have only like five and they had like a male guide to tell them like, wow, like there are so many female guides here. Like, wow. It's kind of one of those, I don't know. It's one of those things. So, I mean, obviously it sounds like there's kind of some like physical I guess, barriers for, for women or not barriers, but things that might be more challenging for them than for their male counterparts in getting into mm -hmm. guiding. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, like, what do you see as the reasons why there are so few female guides? I would say it's very much just that subliminal feeling of like, I don't, this isn't an option for me. You know what I mean? Like, like that societal kind of view that women aren't as outdoorsy and extreme, like not as gnarly as men, which is so true across so many sports. So I also mountain bike and I climb and I ski. And I just feel like, like, here's an, another anecdote. Like, I feel like, do like I'm on a bike ride or something. And then there's like some guy comes up and he's like, you just get that whole vibe that's like, wow you're a girl like you're not like other girls you bike like you're shreddy like wow you're not like other girls and it's like well you know what I feel like a lot of girls would be like me right like this you're not like other girls as if all other girls you're just putting them into this one box and there's no variety and there's no girls that are outdoorsy or no, no girls that want to be active and the mm -hmm. ones that do are somehow these like diamonds in the rough or something yeah or like not only that if you're one of the like other girls and you're not like the rest of the girls it means that like you're somehow different like you're somehow mm -hmm. outside of it and like mm -hmm. I just don't understand why there has to be a line drawn it's like oh can't I be one of the girls and also be shredding on my bike yeah definitely girls getting into sport is one thing 
mm-hmm. but getting into a more leadership role in sport, mm-hmm. like guiding, mm-hmm. I feel like is a whole other thing. Yeah. Like I can't even visualize myself matching my male counterpart in a more leadership role outdoors. Yeah. It's daunting for sure. And also a lot of leadership roles are super gate kept, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like what if, uh, Dave and Ty, mm-hmm. the two that trained you, like, I don't know, what if they were not as, uh, you know, open mm-hmm. and they were like, Oh, what do you mean? This small little girl? Yeah. A guy? No way. Like, I'm not going to waste my time on some small girl who probably can't do it anyways. Like, what if that was their attitude? Cause then you would have never maybe had the opportunity. Totally. And then like, even if I had tried, I might've been, I would have probably been like super discouraged. Mm-hmm. Like, And I think that's probably like, I can't really make like generalizations because I'm only just like entering this world of white water, but like I'm in some like online, you know, women, like female white water communities. And it seems like there are those barriers up, you know, like there are a lot of, you know, senior guides who are treated like a boys club kind of. Yeah. And also not only like you, you might even feel like, you have the sense of leadership that you can do it, but then it's a matter of like, are your clients going to listen to you? And I actually, like, I had one very like challenging experience so far. Like, I mean, obviously there's going to be a lot more challenging experiences in my career as a raft guide, but that really, really stood out where like my clients just didn't listen to me. And I had to explain to them on like multiple occasions, like, the consequences of them not doing what I tell them to do. Like, you know, you could potentially die. And yet they like, didn't listen to me. And I, and it didn't seem like it was a gendered thing, but um, like after the trip, I was like debriefing with like my, my crew or like my, uh, my coworkers. And it was a common thought that like, well, you know, like sometimes that happens with female guides, Mm -hmm. like oftentimes female guides don't get listened to, you know, like, but like been super lucky with Squamish rafting though. Everybody there's super welcoming and stuff, but I'm not positive on like, if that's the case for other, like all of their guiding companies. Like, I don't know much about the rafting community, but other sports that I've dealt with before, definitely just like, it's this subtle, it's mm-hmm. kind of under the rug. You still sense it as you know, as someone who identifies as a woman, like, it's just this nagging feeling of like, why do I have to speak like 10 Mm -hmm. times louder and like twice as many times just to be heard? Yeah. It's kind of frustrating, but. And actually I have kind of an experience with that with mountain biking. It's the, the assumption that when you're like, er, like pretty much everybody's like mountain biking recreationally, like you definitely will see people like who are like actually being paid to instruct up on the mountain. But like more often than not, you're just going to see people like heading up there recreationally. And yet there's often this assumption that the male in the group, if like I'm biking with a male, that he's the one taking me that he's showing me the trails and like in Bellingham I I lived on that mountain you know like and I showed a lot of my friends trails and I could be making an assumption here and I've talked about it with a lot of people and sometimes people think I'm overreacting and other times people are like yeah that makes a lot of sense but it's all in 
the eye contact and those casual interactions when someone's passing you or you're passing them on multiple occasions when I'm biking a male like rider will bike up the hill like past me and a friend and they'll be like and I've watched this happen so many times they'll be like looking at my male friend like like going like going uphill looking at them waiting for the male friend to look at them so that they can be like hey you know just say hey and then keep going or whatever like have a good ride and yet I'm staring at them the whole time because I'm trying to say hey too yeah but they don't it's as if I don't exist yeah and it's and I've heard a few theories from my male friends like oh like what if you what if they think that you're my girlfriend and they don't want to overstep okay possessive like we don't okay no like that's (laughs) you have to be about that yeah yeah it's like, like, so my whole thing is like, when I, when I'm, when I see a group of people or two people or whatever, it's like a sweeping eye scan and a one singular, Hey, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, then it doesn't have to be like, like, Oh, like I'm talking to this guy's girlfriend. Like he's going to be so like, and I don't, like, I, I genuinely think that it's like a, a subconscious, you know, this guy's taking this girl up the mountain. I am the girl who's being taken on that bike don't get it twisted I'm not taking anyone out there I'm learning myself but Mm -hmm. it's so clear even if I look the part Mm -hmm. that like we pass by a group and like I'm following like I don't know what I'm doing I'm the ditzy girl who's just like I should just be happy to be out Mm -hmm. and happy that some boy decided to take me (laughs) on the trails that I guess I could have never gotten to myself Mm -hmm. I also I also want to say like I think it's hilarious that the assumption is always that if a guy's taking a girl that it's a girlfriend or an interest of some kind like can't can a guy just befriend a girl even if he is taking her out biking can't he just take a friend out biking like that also says a lot about the men that are making those assumptions about a man and a woman biking together I was gonna say what if like what if I was taking my guy friend out and I, was and like, I did that all the goddamn time in Bellingham. Yeah. Like I taught my friend how to mountain bike. And yet he was the one who was getting the getting the interaction. You know what I mean? You know, you're you're passing us like an inch at a time and you have so much time to like look at both of us and just say one hey. Like, yeah. I'm just uh I'm just stoked that you at least have a circle of guy friends who are not who don't feel like they're dicks were cut off by you taking them out mountain biking because um like that being said I feel like the mountain biking community has been super great like there are tons of women in it I think like but it is just that anecdotal like evidence for me it has been super consistent wherever I go yeah yeah and it's like a glass shattering effect too like once you notice it Mm. you start looking for it and you're like oh there it is again oh and again and it's like yeah like in How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. <laughs> that one episode. Yeah. <laughs> I want to ask, so, okay, it sounds like you have mountain biked with a lot of men, but when you do go out with women, if you do, maybe, I don't know if you have women that you go out with, like, what's that interaction like? If like a male mountain biker passes you, but it's like you and another chick. Yeah. Okay. That's a really good question. Cause I do take notice of that too. I find like, I don't, I feel like a lot of times, like there are those people who will just say hi to the male, but a lot of people don't say hi to either of us because they're just panting their way up or they're just not even, they just don't care. That's cool. 
that happens when I'm with another woman. And I feel like when people do say hi to us, it's like more of that sweeping, like hi, hi, you know, thing. But it's, it's very rare that someone will acknowledge only my other female friend like they'll pretty much acknowledge both of us if they're acknowledging us at all I'm imagining someone like making a comment about oh girls shredding or you're out here by yourself like that'd be such a boomer comment Mm -hmm. it'd be it'd be old yeah no one ever says shit like that and if they did I feel like they would get called out like someone would be like what do you mean by that like what do you mean so I don't feel like that yeah I've been super stoked to see how many like moms are out there mountain biking mm-hmm. and they'll like take their kids sometimes, but often I just see like a mom's group, mm-hmm. like after work, they're just going out together. And I'm like, let's go girls. Yeah. Let's like go I, girls. I, I actually see, I think <laughs> <laughs> I actually think I see more women out on the trails lately mm-hmm. than I've been seeing men. It's just like, uh inspiring and like motivating to see and it makes you feel like this is also your space yeah like it's a safe space and Mm -hmm. I don't need to feel like I'm I don't know getting into some male territory yeah and I feel like that was similar with Bellingham too like since I moved to Squamish I haven't been able to bike as much as I'd like to just because drafting takes up my life but in Bellingham I feel like there were so many girl gangs going out there you know like in their floral shirts and shit you know like having fun yeah um and it's awesome I mean definitely I feel like women of the more like you know thinner like body type definitely but also like you see women of of all sorts of body types like they're not represented enough but like you see them and it's like fuck yeah that being said (laughs) it's a lot of white people that's for sure um we live on like you know native territory like squamish nation is like definitely strong you know as strong as you can be like dealing with colonialism and shit the Lilwet nation like they're working on their like recreation and stuff one of my co-workers um sandy she works with indigenous women outdoors and does a lot of work getting like indigenous folks like out there like on the trails and stuff but yeah like it's it sucks that it's just a bunch of white people flooding to the outdoors and like it's kind of gate kept yeah and it goes back to that privilege that you were talking about yeah yeah all of a sudden all this like gentrification is happening and all like rent is out of control like that's the main reason I live out of my car like if rent was affordable I'd live in a house probably (laughs) Yeah, I, like, I don't want to make generalizations on something that I don't know very much about. I wouldn't be surprised if it's, you know, like all these white people being like, look at how cool Spamish is. Let's all go live here with our, like, your privilege of, like, having this money that you can spend and, like, you know, uproot your family from wherever you are and move to Squamish and then, like, invest in properties and making properties, like, more expensive for other people yeah I'd love to hear more about like your experience living in your car in Squamish too because on the topic of like what you were just saying you know I'm sure you guys obviously both know and I'm sure a lot of our listeners know about how in Squamish there's kind of been a crackdown on laws that are trying to inhibit people from living out of a vehicle that you know Squamish used to be kind of a safe haven for people that wanted to do the dirtbag lifestyle and you know climbers that wanted to come up in a van and just spend the season there climbing and like that Squamish used to be a place where you could totally do that 
and it was no issue. And now that it's being gentrified, this is seen as an issue and there's a lot more restrictions out there. So I'd love to hear like what it's been like for you. I guess like I'm fairly certain that the bylaw basically says that you can't sleep in a vehicle on any like roadway in the district of Squamish. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is that the district of Squamish, like when you look at the boundaries, it kind of goes like in a, it follows the Mamquam service road. It's really redonkulous. (laughs) Like, but I guess maybe that makes sense with like their jurisdiction on heading up the service road and being able to do stuff. So there's that, but also like, that's one of those, one one of the main roads that van lifers live on, you know, I just think people don't like they look they don't like homeless people they don't want homeless people to exist and they're not willing to make the changes needed to make people not homeless yeah which are like extremely systemic when I go to sleep at night and I am on a street that you know has houses on it or something like or at least I'm on a street where there are going to be people driving by I end up waking up in the middle of the night like paranoid that someone's driving past me seeing that there are like curtains up kind of and thinking like someone's in their car and it's that feeling of like I pay to be in my neighborhood like you can't just sleep and it's just like dude come on yeah it's also like if they didn't notice that you were there they would have never been bothered by you and so it's just it's just so stupid and again it kind of comes down to like the whole place being gentrified and a more wealthy group sort of moving in that thinks that someone just sleeping in their car minding their own business is an issue yeah but it all comes down to like people wouldn't feel the need to do this like like sure being able to be like having the ability to be transient is awesome for some people like if you if you live for traveling to other places to like recreate that's awesome and that's good like I do that too but like what it comes down to is like I would choose to live in a home if it was affordable I know it's a lot yeah okay (laughs) I I would be kind of interested to know a bit more I'm similar to you Tara like I was a full-on city girl um, up until like when I went to UBC and I made friends that kind of wanted to do stuff and we it started with just like some hiking and then it kind of just branched out into like a bunch of other activities and now the outdoors are like such an integral part of my identity but it sounds like you kind of had a similar experience. So growing up, I was always pretty inclined to have adrenaline rushes and stuff. <laughs> like, like I always like for sure wanted to go on the roller coasters and stuff, you know, like that was my shit. Right. But I feel like when I kind of brought up, like, you, you know, wanting to ski and doing like, like I, I was really interested in wakeboarding, but like, like the things that my my parents always said was that like it's expensive and we already pay for like your team sports right so then I moved down to Bellingham and I had to quit my team sports um and I all of a sudden this world of opportunity was open to me and I was like like I was I had recently decided that like you know I wanted to do better with like creating a community for myself because like when I was living up like in, in New Westminster still, like I, you know, was just going to community college. I was still living with my parents and I didn't really have like a group of friends and I didn't really feel like I had much of a community. And I was like, Hey, now that I'm like moving to Bellingham, I want to have a community. And 
I wanted to try out a bunch of stuff that I hadn't done before because my whole thing had been like team sports in the past. And so I joined all of these clubs and I joined the wakeboarding team. And obviously that was, I was super psyched on that because I really wanted to do that like my whole life pretty much. I joined the wakeboarding team. I joined like a climbing club. I joined what else? The sailing team. I learned how to sail. So the main thing I think was like, I joined the wake team and, and they just like welcomed me in with open arms such an awesome group of people and all of them like they mountain bike as well and ski and snowboard so I started wakeboarding with them and then that winter I like started skiing with them like for the first time I went skiing was like with my friend who Mm. like from the wake team um and then like the first times I went mountain biking were with my friends from the wake team like they they were kind of like you know guiding lights but in a way that wasn't formal like it wasn't like I'm teaching you this right now it's more like we'll take you and you'll like figure it out and that's how it happened like it was super cool and then like I became I I I got on leadership for the wake team I became one of the officers and then I got to know the leaders of other teams and I got to know the the president of the climbing team um and he like took me to Smith Rock for the first time and I was like whoa climbing is awesome like I love this and so I started doing that and it's like you just meet like I met all these people in Bellingham who were super supportive of like just taking out somebody who like doesn't know what they're doing like teaching them all the safety skills and like just letting them have at it I feel like that was a really special experience for me because I feel like not a lot of people are exposed to so many other people who are just stoked to take beginners out. Like a common thread with a lot of people, like even before we started talking about like for podcast related conversations, but like anytime I ask someone about like, well, how did you get into that? Or like, oh, what did like, what, what really like was the thing that really got you in? to sport Mm -hmm. it's it always comes down to like oh I got lucky I met a really great group of people who were down Mm -hmm. to like have a newbie out and I feel like that's how a lot of people's like spirits get totally destroyed is going out and trying things with people who suck as friends you know like but I mean like for any of our listeners who like Mm -hmm are sitting there and they're like my group of friends sucks and you know what I don't have a community that is supportive and I still want to get out but I don't know how because some activities you literally can't really do by yourself yeah I don't know I really like the fact that you were like oh I want to raft or be a raft guide like I'm going to reach out to this community in Squamish I'm not in Squamish but I'll reach out Mm -hmm. see what happens and like you meet people by putting yourself out there like I hope that people listening who are kind of in a spot they can look to this story of yours Mm -hmm. and say oh well if that's what it takes like all I need to do is like take a step forward and hopefully I meet that community and like I just put my name out there and I do highly recommend joining online communities like I join like all of the relevant communities to me on like Facebook all the time um it's just like such a good resource and you're bound to find somebody who wants to take a newbie out you know once you make a few friends it starts cascading like it starts it it turns exponential you know like in one when you're doing these activities 
like it's it's just a really easy thing to be like oh like you mountain bike we should bike sometime it's like a low pressure way to meet somebody like to hang out with somebody new you're not like forced to sit with them face to face drinking coffee being like you know (laughs) tell me everything you also instantly have something to talk about with that person like I find as soon as I find out that someone climbs I'm like okay cool I can talk to you for three hours now yeah exactly it's like where have you climbed like I've climbed this like what do you climb like you know how did you get started all this stuff like yeah like I know we talked a bit about this like kind of subtle like icky vibe of Mm -hmm. like it's a boys club and I'm a girl and therefore already facing barriers like not to say that that doesn't exist but I find more times than not like people are just stoked to like have you out and Mm -hmm. as long as you like come with a good attitude and you're a contributing member to whatever community it is, whether that's with your skill or your good attitude, like I said, um, people are just stoked to have you. Yeah, yeah. Just as another like fun resource, you talked about Facebook groups. Recently, I've been trying to use Bumble BFF. Yeah, yeah. Have you heard? I haven't used that in a long time, but like I love the idea of, uh, you know, dating apps just to meet friends. Yeah, and it. I think, like Bumble has now the specific, like you can sign on and say like, oh, I'm not looking to date. I'm looking for a BFF. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm only being given girls or just mostly girls are using the app, yeah. but I'm seeing so many girls who are just like, Hey, I'm in Squamish and I just want a girl to go mountain biking with like mm-hmm. my girlfriend to go mountain biking with who's down. I feel like so many apps now are mm-hmm. trying to open the doors for just meeting people and connecting. So Bumble BFF is another way (laughs) not sponsored not sponsored (laughs) at all yeah yeah I mean I don't really yeah like I don't know if we should have more of an outro like I don't know what I literally don't know what I'm doing yeah me neither like imagining (laughs) I'm imagining like the podcast that I listen to where they're like talking to people and interviewing them and and I feel like oftentimes there's kind of like a well like thanks so much for being on our show like yeah you know like this is like you know a little tiny bit of a debrief and then like uh you know tune in next time for blah 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 you know um I think we need to hire Tara as like our manager slash creative director and she's like (laughs) okay now do the outro say see you next time and then thank the guest (laughs) (laughs) well thank you Tara for joining us today we had some great talks about rafting and mountain biking and car living and thanks listeners for tuning in we will be back with another episode when we come out with it thanks for listening to wildly basic don't forget to subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcasts we're also on instagram at wildly basic podcast our marketing director is Emma. Our editor-in-chief is Ali. Artwork by Emma. Music and sound by Ali. Co-hosted by Emma and Ali. Thanks for tuning in. Happy trails! <laughs>